Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 47 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go see a Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Good, man. Busy. Still busy. Been busy for the last couple of weeks. Things aren't slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always time for Die Ranger, Matt. Take a little time out of your busy life. Just for Ghost like Go Say Sentai Die Ranger. Yeah, man. Well, you know, Dave, one of the great things about Die Ranger is There's a that, lot. Uh, but what are you thinking of, Matt? Well, what I'm thinking of specifically is that up in the heavens, of course, mm-hmm. shining, there uh, are five stars. I was going to say, I think I know where you might be going with this. Okay. Now, if, if we were to be naming these stars, what do you think the first one would be? <laughs> Uh, all right, Matt. Our first star of the week is a ration cast update. If you are new to the show or so you somehow missed it, my wife, Beth, is also doing a podcast with a friend of ours, Megan, and they are doing household management on wartime rationing. Uh, the 32nd version is that they've taken the entire timeline of World War II and compressed it into a year. And we are living on just as much, kind of as as much as we can, as much food and stuff as was available. Uh, we're doing England. Our house is doing England, and uh, Megan's house is doing the U.S. And you know what's really weird, Matt, is we've been doing it for close to six months now. Uh huh. And it just—it's very natural now. So, like in the house, we only have access to—I think it's a. It's a pound and a half of meat per person per week. So between okay. my wife and I, three pounds of meat total for the week. That is not a lot of meat. It's not. But you know what, man? And like I know we've that been... we've had this discussion before, like as it's come up on the podcast. Yeah, but, you know, it's I'm very used to it now. And weirdly, the idea of eating... Like, the idea of just eating, like, a huge pile of meat kind of at any meal or really just consuming that much meat over the course of a week feels a little, like, it almost feels a little bit gross. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. Yeah, like, it's very weird. I, I don't know. I, it's I, something I did not anticipate happening, but it's totally true. Here's the other thing. Although, although speaking of gross... I think part of that is that some of the meat options that uh, you and the other family involved in the project have been reduced to are not like the prime cuts. All right, listen, dude. Here's the thing, though. There's a lot of fantastic eating to be had on those off-prime cuts. Like, I'm not saying that I don't love a good steak or anything, but uh, on Tuesday, Beth made uh, tongue mousse, okay? This is not a joke. Not moose tongue. No, no, no. Not moose tongue. Tongue moose. So we had a tongue, like a beef tongue, which we boiled. You know, you boil it and skin it. And you've had tongue, Matt. You know, this tongue is pretty tasty. If you've never had tongue, 
you have to know how to prepare it right, but it's actually it's good. It tastes good. So we she took a tongue and we cooked it, and then she put it in the food processor, and then mixed up with like mayonnaise and gelatin and beef broth, and then set it in a mold, and it just it tastes like really good bologna, like it's good, and that's the thing that I'm finding really surprising is that a lot of these dishes because we're trying to do a lot of period recipes as well, you know, really get like a feel for sure. it, right? A lot of these recipes that we're looking at and saying, like, that sounds horrifying. Like, why would you eat that? We make them. <laughs> like, darn if they're not actually pretty tasty. So get yourself some 1940s cookbooks. Maybe not you, Matt, but, you know, people. Get yourself some 1940s cookbooks. Give it a shot. But I okay, think what you I will say, do- that does not sound bad. But uh, I have also heard reports from the other half of the project, and Megan was saying that she made some sort of jello mold that included hot dogs and hard-boiled eggs and celery. And that, my friend, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, well, okay, listen, celery Like, I, I don't, like, th- there is no way that you can convince me that, like, having that as her daily meat option is a really great call. Well, okay. Listen, we're still on the ration, man. So <laughs> sacrifices have to be made. But what I'm saying is, is I think if you approach these recipes kind of in like good faith, they're actually a lot tastier than I at least would initially have given them credit for. So yeah, have some tongue mousse. I mean, it's going to be gone by the time I see you, but you could still have some later, maybe. I don't know. So anyways, so the rationing is going fairly well. <laughs> What, Matt? Okay, glad to hear it. Yeah. What is our second star of the week? Okay, Dave. Our second star of the week is that uh, I, right now, am exhausted because I have just (laughs) come back from a, like, two-hour walk that I thought was going to be a really good idea. No, that sounds sounds nice. Well, I mean, depending where you're walking, I guess, but... No, it was really nice, actually, because... Okay, so right now, um, I think I told you I'm having some work done in my apartment. Yeah, no, 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 you've mentioned, we actually have mentioned on the podcast. And so, yeah, there's just a few things that need to be fixed up right now. And so everything in my main living area is covered in a very thin layer of drywall dust. Okay, that sounds So, lame. like, it's fine, but it's not, like, super exciting to hang out, like, sitting around in. And so uh, there is a thing going on at the lake every Thursday over the course of the summer uh, called Edgewater Live. And what Edgewater Live is, is you just go down to Edgewater Park, which is sort of the a big area down by Lake Erie. Yeah. And they've got food trucks and they're selling beer and there's like a dumb band playing like lame covers from three years ago. Oh yeah, that's terrible. And a bunch terrible. of people sort of dancing around. But dude, down uh, on the beach with some it's, beers? And it's a classic, it's a classic American good time. So you're on board so It is a so classic summer activity. Right. And so I thought, okay, like me and a couple of friends of mine said, let's go down there, enjoy it. And you know, I'll tell you what, it is very nice. It's a beautiful day for it. Sounds, but it is yeah. just hot enough, and it was just long enough of a walk oh. that and I got back about five minutes before we started recording this thing. <laughs> and so if I am a little like extra loopy today, it is because I have just no, been you're, like, you're like wandering drunk. around on the beach for the last hour. Right. You're hot drunk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, the the sun. I've got the, I've got the sun sickness, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Like, uh, uh, oh, God, what was that guy, Dave? Solar? 
Oh, yeah, you know who no, I'm talking dude. about? Solar, Solar with so two A's. Like, he only shows up. He's like super minor, but basically he is—he's like a hippie wandering in the desert, and his like—I think literally his VW bus breaks down, and he like wanders through the desert until the sun cooks him, and he gets superpowers. I think he was one of those people that got explained away as having a latent metagene, or like a latent mutation or something. Which is a that is always like the easiest like sidestep. I love it whenever they do that. Yeah, dude. It's aside from just the existence of mutants, like as a mutant, whatever. The latent mutation is the best idea that comics ever had. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this thing that should in no possible way give you superpowers gave this guy superpowers for the same reason that we already thought of because we couldn't think of reasons why people had superpowers. Like, ah, he's a mutant. Forget it. Genius. Anyway, Genius. so if I start uh, shooting solar blasts, then you will know why. Uh, but <laughs> that day... Of... Park and bad covers. Got it. Oh my gosh. I mean, listen, it was... We were listening to some Pharrell covers. We were listening to some Robin Thicke covers. I oh, needed to get out really? of there. Like, of all the stuff that you're going to... Okay, whatever. People like, yeah, it is solar, Matt. Uh, and I say solar instead of just solar because it has two R's. S-O-L-A-R-R. Because that is how you uh, make comic books. So it's spelled like uh, Angar. I think Angar also either had two A's or, well, three A's or two R's or something like that. Yeah, dude, I don't Angar know. Angar the Screamer, so dude. It's like some anyway. unnecessary IY swaps, extra R's, using PH's instead of F's. Yeah, it's all kind of the same. It's all in that zone. Okay, so if I sound a little loopy, that is why... Uh, and that is also going to be a short star. Dave, what is our third star of the week? Actually, Matt, speaking of giving things weird and ridiculous names, let's talk about role-playing games for a minute. So. Oh, let's do it. How many yeah. Ys can you put in this? So, so many, I would assume. Any, okay, for everything I say in the next, maybe like just for this star, assume every I is a Y, every F is a PH, etc., etc. So And every Y is two Ys. Right. Every Y is two Every I is a Y and every Y is two Ys. So every I is really two Ys. So right now, Matt, <laughs> as we are recording this, it is Gen Con. Gen Con is on, which if somehow you exist in a universe where you're like super into Gosei Sentai, Die Ranger, but also have no idea about any like other gaming nerd stuff, Gen Con is one of the year's biggest stateside gaming slash games convention it's for role-playing games it's for board games i think there's some computer game stuff there but it's not like as heavily featured but there's a publishing company called onyx path onyx path is the what are they matt they're like the I don't they're even like quite know how to say They're like the spiritual successor to the old White yeah, Wolf. Yeah, they're like the spiritual successor to White Wolf, except White Wolf still exists, but they don't write anything. They just own... I think what it was is that like White Wolf maybe almost went out of business or something, and then somebody maybe bought White Wolf, so they own all the properties, but they don't actually want to do anything with them, and so they license them to Onyx Path, who are people who are still writing books. So everything that used to be published by White Wolf... Uh, is now published by Onyx Path, and Onyx Path just put out their publication brochure. They're like, they're, it's their commercial, it's their press release for the year at Gen Con. And Matt, this press release is why I didn't do great freshman year of college. 
<laughs> okay. There's so what, many okay. Yeah, there's so, so what are we dealing with here, Dave? Okay. So I'm going to nerd out here for a second. If you're not familiar with any of these, like just bear with me. But so Matt, Exalted Third Edition. Yeah. So by the way, if, if yeah, if you're not familiar with it, then Onyx Path makes the old White Wolf games. The old White Wolf games are like if you're familiar with Vampire the Masquerade yeah. and the surrounding family of games, that's what we're talking yeah, about. Those ones. So Matt, Exalted Third Edition is supposedly finally coming out. Two years ago, I kickstarted this thing. Um, Mage, the 20th anniversary of Mage is coming out. There's a whole bunch of new supplements for the old World, World of Darkness stuff where they are setting all the games in like various time periods. So we're getting a Victorian age setting for Mage. They are coming oh, out dude. with... Yeah, yeah. They are coming out with uh, Changeling 20, Matt. They're doing a 20th anniversary edition of Changeling... I am losing my mind Changeling over the Dreaming. Yeah. 20th anniversary of Changeling the Dreaming. I don't know how many dollars they're going to want for like the Ultra Mega Lux copy. I'm going to give it to them. Probably. Like, I'm definitely going to get oh, it. Sure I just don't are. know if I'm going to get like the Ultra copy. They are coming out with uh, new stuff for the Trinity universe. So we're going to get that. They're coming out with a second edition of Scion. So we're going to get that. It's it's crazy. Like I'm, so, <laughs> it's I'm super super excited. I'm not like I'm not gonna have time to play all these games. Like let's be real. Oh good heavens, no! We barely play one game we, now. Yeah, I barely play one game now. But I'm gonna get all the books. I know that much. So yeah, listen, man. man if if they're giving me an option to buy a new edition of Adventure, then yes, I'm going to give them all my money. Yeah, no, you're gonna do that. Obviously. Okay, if you are unfamiliar with Adventure. Adventure is the pulp action game where you get to play like the Rocketeer or you Doc know, Savage, Mandrake the Magician, Doc Savage, the, the Shadow. Shadow. Like you can play yeah. that sort of character, and it's great. The Ugh. system for it was kind of Fuzzy. terrible because it was, it's yeah. an old well, listen, game. systems but, are often not great. But the point is, is this this is all going to be super cool? I'm going to buy all these books. It's going to be amazing and fun. So that's our third star. Of the right week. on, dude. Yeah, I feel like we should cut it short because I just want to nerd out about it. But I think it's going to be super cool. And to people who don't know what we're talking about already, this all just sounds like weird gobbledygook. Anyway, so Dave, what then is our fourth star of the week? Okay, actually speaking of... This is just other cool media that I consumed. I just watched. It came out a little while ago, but I just watched it last night. Stephen Chow's Journey to the West... Stephen Chow, if you're not familiar with the name kind of off the top of your head, is the guy who was behind Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. And he is a, he makes like action comedies, like specifically Kung Fu comedies. And he's great. And I love everything he does. But yeah, the Stephen most Chow recent is amazing. Thing, yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, so the most recent thing that he did, Matt, is a movie called Journey to the West, which is a not like spot on adaptation but a pretty close adaptation of like this chinese folk legend thing it's called journey of the west and yeah, journey it, of the west is like one of the big chinese legends right yeah it's one of like the four great novels of chinese literature it's like journey to the west the bandits of the swamp romance of the three kingdoms and i can't remember the last one and so if you are like basically every awesome kung fu movie like stereotype and trope and all of the stuff that you love and anybody loves about those movies it 
all kind of comes from like those four books. Like the crazy names, like the super over-the-top kung fu, it all has its roots in like these four books. And so Journey to the West is like hugely, it's like a really long book. And so he only made one movie, it's a, and it's just about the kind of like initial setup of the thing. And he hasn't made the next like chunks of movies yet, but I guess he's trying to, which that I really, really hope exciting. he does. It's on Netflix. You could watch it. It's like an hour and a I half long. I should watch it. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's about it's about the main character and he like goes and he meets like, you know, the heavenly monkey king and like monkey king like destroys some demon hunters with kung fu and then like he realizes his Buddha nature and stuff. It's an awesome like if you dig Stephen Chow, which you should, really if you just dig kung fu movies. Like if you dig kung fu movies, just watch Journey to the West. It was super fun. Definitely recommend it. That's really kind of it. It's just right on. I I will watch that. I am trying to work my way through Jetman before we finish Die Ranger, so my other TV watching time is sort of at a premium. Fair, fair enough. That's a noble pursuit, if ever there was one. By that the way, here's a uh, here's a spoiler free review of the Jetman I've been watching. Um, I was worried it would be less crazy than Die Ranger, and I was worrying in vain. Yeah, I don't know why that. <laughs> there are things that I would have been worried about, but I don't think that would have been one of them, Matt. So, but we will get to that. Oh yeah, that's that's just a taste in for depth. You. I would imagine. <laughs> so they fought what? an evil bus the other day, Dave. It was great. They wait, like the bus was full of. Never mind. We'll get there. So, oh, what, we, Matt, we will is... talk about this. But <laughs> what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, so you know how we have talked. A couple of times, actually, about how we wish there was a place where you could just go pretend to be a giant monster or robot and yeah. crush a city. And yeah. then we were talking about how we wish that there was a wrestling promotion, that that's all they did. Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay, turns out that exists. What? Yeah, so we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, and uh, Jake from the Morphin Grid podcast sent me a, a tweet on the Twitter. Okay. And he said, dude... What you are talking about is just Big Kaiju Battle. And Big Kaiju Battle is exactly that. It's out of Boston. I think they used to play it on, like, MTV2. I don't think they make much of it anymore. But it is just, you know, like, there is a loose story as to, like, why these giant monsters are now people size and in a either a ring or a cage. Dude. But it is just, like, kaiju professional wrestling with, Dude, like, this little... this is amazing. I went and found the website as soon as you told me. This is incredible. Like little like buildings and cities in the ring that they're falling on top of as they're wrestling. Okay, it's Matt, amazing, when we, dude. When we break to watch the episode, we need to. I just need to take a minute and watch. Like I'm not going to do it right now, right now, because we're talking about it. But when we have a second, I'm watching this. This looks incredible. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, you know, Dave, let's. I'm just doing this on the fly. We don't have a plan for this. Let's cut five stars early. Okay. Let's watch a little bit of Big Kaiju Battle. Sounds good. When we come back, let's talk about Big Kaiju Battle, finish that up, and then go on to the episode of Die Ranger. Sounds, Sounds good. good to you? Sounds good. Okay, so right. we're going to take a break. We're going to do battle. both of those things. Uh, the episode of Die Ranger is 47. It's called The Amazing Truth, and I hope to goodness that there's actually going to be some amazing truth in this episode. Um, and we will be right back. He is the one-eyed monster from the depths. Please welcome Cyclops. 
Okay, so we have just come back from watching some Kaiju Big Battle, uh, which I think I was calling Big Kaiju Battle before, but it's not. It's Kaiju Big Battle. Who cares? Um, and battle's not spelled right. It's B-A-T-T-E-L. <laughs> Dude, I don't know why. Uh, apparently, that was a mistake the first time, and they just sort of left it. They just decided to roll with it. Right on. So, I would absolutely go to that. No question. Like, it's out of Boston, so I'm not, like, I don't live in Boston, obviously, but I would totally buy a ticket to that show. So here's what it is. It's a cage match. Inside the cage, right. we start with a monster named Call Me Kevin uh, destroying a bunch of cardboard boxes that have been made up to look like buildings. Which is great. And then a dude comes out in a, I don't know, sort of common Rider-esque. I mean, it looks like a, yeah, a motorcycle. It's like a tracksuit. I think what it actually is, Matt, is like a tracksuit with a Daft Punk helmet or something. But he, the effort is there, clearly. He's got some shoulder pads on. And he's yeah. called what? Neo Tempu? Neo Teppen. Teppen, thank you. So yes. he and Neo Teppen fight for a while. Neo Teppen doesn't have as big of a an outfit on, so he can do more flippy stuff. Dude, I was I was actually really surprised at the quality of the wrestling. I did not think it was going to be kind of as as good as it was. Like they were doing flips. Oh no, they were doing actual flips. Around. Like the Call Me Kevin near the end of the match does like a like a sunset flip on neo tempen uh yeah, it was awesome i was pretty impressed man uh so like halfway through the fight uh the <laughs> the fight is joined there is a distraction coming down the ramp in the form of cw cyclopticus the third yes who was a one-eyed octopus limbs. monster and one eye uh so they fight for a while and then uh, neo tepen Pulls out like his, you know, wrist communicator cell phone and summons aid in the form of what was it called again? Robox, which is a Robox, which is just a box. It's a box. It's a dude in a costume that's a big box with arms and legs. And he just comes out and starts flailing around for a while. <laughs> so I was actually, like I said, man, I was actually pretty impressed. You were not expecting think- it to be actual wrestling? I wasn't expecting it to be quite as good as it was. The only thing that I would say. I think would be make would make it better is that the whole thing, even though the guys who are doing the actual wrestling are pulling off some good moves, the whole thing is very clearly done kind of as a joke. Oh yeah. Like they're not taking it seriously at all. Right. It's obviously kind of like a jokey thing. I think the thing that would make it better is that they just took it completely seriously. Listen, man, from watching wrestling, from playing role-playing games, from playing LARP most importantly, what I have discovered is the best way to make a ridiculous thing even cooler is to just take it totally seriously. And even if everybody in like the back of their head knows that it's kind of a joke, if you just commit 100%, it's so much better. And that's I would have loved to have seen that but I'd still buy a ticket to the show because it was guys in kaiju costumes wrestling and breaking boxes. It was great. It was great. Okay, so that is that, that is the uh, supplemental material to our fifth star. Now we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 47, The Amazing Truth, and we, again, will be right back. <laughs> okay, welcome back. We just finished watching episode 47, and I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot that this is the episode that we were going to be watching today. Uh, and I'm just going to say it right up at the top, no low point for me this week. No low point at all. I think this is one of my, if not my favorite episode of this show. 
Dude, this episode was amazing. Like, there, you know, okay, dude, this is what. Okay, there are two categories of episodes of Die Ranger. There's like the serious ones and the funny ones, right? Um, and the funny ones, you know, the best ones of those are the the Three Stooges episodes and that stuff. Yeah, naturally, this is the best of the serious episodes. Dude, yeah, far and away. Well, this is what I was saying like just a minute ago. You can't ever admit that it's silly, and that's what makes this so good. It's like a kids show. But it's a hundred percent serious. It's a, it's fantastic. It's a killer okay. episode. Do you even want to give a Here's recap, recap, or do you just want to get into it? Here's like the thirty second. Okay, even shorter than that. The quick recap is really the Rangers disband. They get back together. In getting back together, they are clued in to what Doshikaku's ultimate plan is, and then we see that plan start to be put into action. Yes, as we said before, this is the third part of the six-episode like endgame story arc. So not a lot yeah, of stuff gets resolved is... here, but everything that happens in right. it is so good. Yeah, totally. So let's just get into it. So they do give us a quick recap. They, If you don't recall from last episode, Doshikaku has rejoined the Goma, and he has some sort of plan. The announcer tells us he has taken... All of the rangers like accoutrement. He has their aura changers. He has their tempo rai rai jewels. So they don't have access to their stuff that they need to become the die rangers. They're just kind of back to normal. And although presumably they still have like untapped kiriyoku that they could use, but they can't just do it. They're not the die rangers anymore. Right. So there is one weird little thing, Matt, that as part of the kind of it's a flashback, but to something that hasn't happened yet, because, <laughs> because they're talking about Toshikaku and then there's just it's like a half a second and we see this sort of like altar thing with the Tempo Rai Rai jewels on it. It's part of the flashback. But we haven't seen this thing yet. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to see it in later episodes, because it doesn't show up in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't, I don't know if that's from thing. a later episode or from a scene that they cut, because like they ran out of time in this one. Which I would believe. because <laughs> definitely not. We don't know what it is. Because everything happens big. in this episode. Everyone. Okay. Every character whose name you remember from this show is in this episode. Except for, like, Rin's grandpa. But I think that's well, actually it. Uh, Gara, I don't think actually says anything. You just see her, but she's there. Okay, so we start off on a shot of Shoji, and Shoji is doing his best, like, rocky boxing training. You know, he's got his gray sweatsuit hoodie on. He's running around doing, like, boxing stuff, jogging through the streets. Right, because if you don't recall from last episode, Doshikaku's, like, parting words to them were... Just kind of get back to your lives and do the thing that you are, like, the best at. So, like, Shoji, go be the champ, and Kazu, be the best hairstylist. Ryo, go back and try to finally make those, like, best dumplings in the world. Yeah, so that is what the Rangers are doing. So, we see Shoji doing this, and then we cut to Mm -hmm. the hair salon, and Kazu is giving a haircut to Cameo, actually. Yeah, I didn't recognize him at first because you don't see him with his glasses. And <laughs> so I thought it was just like a regular stranger. And I was like, wow, that stranger is being really familiar and actually a little bit flirty with Kazu, 
who is that guy? And then he put his glasses on. I was like, oh, it's Cameo. Yeah. And what's weird about this is that Cameo says, oh, I'm glad that you agreed to like play with me on your day off. Which means two things. Yeah, First of all, weird way to phrase like, it reminds me that Cameo is very childlike. Which is something that we sort mm-hmm. of have forgotten because the last few times we've seen him, it's mostly been in giant robot turtle form. But when he's mm-hmm. in his human form, he's very childlike. The other thing is that I guess he's just allowed to come in and use his like barber's chair on his day off because he's not working. Well, I think uh, this is Kazu's place, isn't it? Like Kazu owns the joint, doesn't he? I didn't think so, but that would be a good explanation as to why he's always allowed to just leave in the yeah. middle of a haircut. I think that he, I think we've actually seen this before. I think he, he owns the place. So he's in there, he's cutting Cameo's hair, and Cameo says, is it peace the best? And Kazu is a little like, uh, yeah, it's totally the best, but like I don't quite buy it. Yeah, because Cameo, if you recall, loves Peace. Like, that is why he has transformed himself into a human who for a long time forgot that he was Daimugen, was because he doesn't like fighting. So now that the right. fighting is over, Cameo is over the moon. Right. He just pleased his punch. So he looks in the mirror and he sees Shoji actually runs by the place, stops in, and kind of waves. And so Kazu and Cameo go out and they're talking to Shoji. And <laughs> Cameo again is like, this is totally the best Peace is great, and Kazu and Shoji are like, yeah. Like, oh man, it's hilarious because they are yeah. trying their absolute best to be happy, and they're smiling, but you can tell that they are miserable. <laughs> that smile does not make it past their mouth. And, yeah, okay, Shoji's like, it's, it's all good. I'm I'm back to boxing, so you know I'm gonna be gonna be the champ. You know, having <laughs> having a great day. How about you? Oh, I'm just you know I'm just back to cutting hair. It's really my passion, it's so, you super, know, everything's like, Super cool. exciting. So here's the weird thing, is that whenever the Rangers, because we're about to see the other Rangers interact with each other, every time they talk to each other, it's like they're meeting up with an ex. Yeah. Which, like an ex with whom they had like a really bad breakup, which doesn't make sense. You know, I'm going to get to this in a second, because Rin is about to do the same thing, because we jumped to Rin's place, and she is having Gyoza with Ko. And Ko at first is really excited, and he eats the dumplings, and he says, these are terrible. Let's just go to Mio's place. He makes great dumplings. And then Rin is like, well, no, like, the Dire Ranger's disbanded, so I don't want to bug him. (laughs) Okay, so this is what I was going to talk about a second. And Ko's like, that doesn't make any sense. And Ko, for like the first time in his life, is right. Guys, you can still hang out. Yeah, I mean, okay, I do kind of get it, because they just went through, like, a very intense emotional thing, and maybe hanging around each other will just, like, stir up stuff that they need to try to get past, if they're actually going to, like, succeed in disbanding, which, by the way, spoiler warning, they're not going to succeed in disbanding. Yeah, they do not succeed. But yeah, every time they interact with each other, it's like they're, it's like a really awkward meeting. I mean, you are 100% right about this. Which makes no sense. It's like, guys, you're best friends. Like, you're super besties. You've saved the world together on 46 occasions. You can go have some dumplings at Rio's restaurant. It's probably fine. So Ko gets really annoyed at this. And he says, hey, I don't know if you forgot. I didn't. Uh, I still have that promise to my dead mom that I would, like, be a die ranger and do my best. 
So this so... is very important to me to like be in touch with these people. And he pulls out his mom's ring, which, as you recall, has vaguely defined mystical properties. He throws right. it down on the table and then just runs out of the room. I don't know why he throws it down on the table. Yeah, he's a 10-year-old. He's emotional. But yeah, he just leaves. This, by the way, is the only time we see Code this episode. Yes. He's not like, he goes like, I'm going to go find Rio. He does not find Rio. The other rangers get back together. Ko is not there. So I don't know where he goes, but apparently neither does Rin, and she does not look for him because she is busy hanging out with her other friends. No, it's a weird thing, and it's it's the same in this show as it is in Zhu Ranger. Like, when the sixth ranger appears... He becomes a part of the cast, but he never becomes a main part of the cast. Like, he's always a okay, supporting so he's character sort of... who will just sort of, like, appear in an episode and then maybe not be in the next episode. He's never exactly part of the team. And that's not the case in all uh, Super Sentai shows. But I really get the feeling that that is more of a thing than it is in the Power Rangers. Because in the Power Rangers, uh, like, once okay. you have, a, like, another ranger, I feel like that dude yeah, is just like around all the time. Yeah, man. Tommy is, Tommy is like, part of the team. Okay, so Ko books it. Rin picks up the ring. When she picks it up, it starts glowing. Uh, you know, and so like Rin freaks out. We cut back to the beauty shop. Cameo starts kind of spazzing out, and then he turns into a turtle. So at first I was thinking that like maybe the ring is part of Cameo's Tempo Rai Rai jewel or something. And it turns out no. They're just reacting yeah what's happening now is okay we'll get a couple of scenes in a row and then we'll talk about it afterwards next we cut to shoji and shoji Shoji this is is amazing so it's fantastic he's running around doing his shadow boxing thing and a motorcycle drives up behind him super fast and kind of bowls him over and he falls off to the side of the road just a motorcycle by the way no rider yes he's like wait a minute is that because if you don't remember, call the Three Stooges, there's a motorcycle and a phone and a tombstone. Company president tombstone. Company president tombstone. And so he gets pulled over by this microphone and he says... Nope, motorcycle. was that? Sorry. <laughs> he gets pulled over by telephone. You said a microphone. I don't know where you were going. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a microphone in my face. I don't know. Whatever. So he gets pulled over by a motorcycle, thinks to himself, wait, is that you know, General Kamikaze? Like he turns around. Motorcycle is gone, but the phone booth is ringing. Right. So he goes, picks up the phone, and the phone booth says, you know, look up, I think. Look up at the sky, right? So he looks up and sort of over towards like a bridge overpass. And the three stooges are up there and they're waving around the flag, like the friendship flag that they gave him after uh, <laughs> oh the gosh. episode Farewell to Three Stooges, which if you recall, they like signed as though it was his yearbook. Yeah, it's it's great. And it's about to get even greater. Yes, because he so sees he the up, flag. He's like, he's like, that's my flag. And then he lifts <laughs> up his shirt. <laughs> and he's just got it wrapped around himself. He's just like, wearing he just it. wears it. Yeah, so he just has this friendship flag from his former enemies, and he just rolls around with it all just the like time. Just like wrapped this around is... his torso, like a girdle. It is amazing. Like he pulls it out to like make sure that the one he's seeing is not his real one, and they didn't like somehow steal it from him. Yeah, uh, they didn't. He does have the real one. So this is some sort of vision. We don't know like what the deal is yet, but there's something going on. So we cut away from there, 
and we see a waterfall. And Ryu is kind of standing next to the waterfall, and he's doing some training. He's yeah, he's doing like kung fu. Training. Oh, he's wearing his kung fu but pants. Is, you know, like he's got yeah. his like black silk pants and a red sash belt on. No shirt. And he is, I'm reminded again that Ryo is a ripped dude. So, but he is really upset. He's like angry training. He's like punching the waterfall. And eventually his emotions kind of get the best of him. And he sort of is like, I don't know, flailing isn't quite the right word. But he's definitely not executing, you know, textbook punches anymore. Yeah, and he sort of like eventually ends up stumbling away from the waterfall. And he's shouting about Kaku and he's shouting about, like, how could you d- betray my trust? My father betrayed my trust. How could you do it, too? <laughs> no, no, Matt. Specifically what he says. Oh, I did not write this down. I'm says, looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I did write this down. He says, I trusted you like my father. It's either my trust my father or my dad. He says, I trusted you like my father. Which, specifically in the case of Ryo is a very weird thing to say. Right, because his father is a known traitor and villain. <laughs> right. It's like, Rio, of all the people that you could have chosen to say, I trusted you like my ex, why why your traitorous Goma dad? You could have said, like, I trusted you like Who Daigo. Everybody trusts Daigo. He's the best. At the end. Right. He said, I trusted you like I trust Daigo. That would have made sense. So, but he kind of, he sort of he pulls it together and he stands up and a golden coin, a, like a golden coin kind of flips down into his hand. He catches it and it's and he looks at it and it's Jin's coin. If you remember, Jin is like the evil kung fu guy and he would flip a coin and then kill a kung fu master and then catch the coin before it hit the ground. So this is Jin's coin that Ryu catches and they were like, frenemies yeah like they were super rivals that became friends in the end and it was this it's again one of my favorite episodes of the show yeah maybe my second favorite episode so after this he, one it was my first but then i saw this one and this one's even better. so he catches the coin he's like and so he looks up and Jin is there he's like oh my gosh Jin, you're alive and then Jin attacks just jump kicks him <laughs> okay i think we, do, we don't know i'm gonna go on record i think kaku is doing this somehow like, I think there's something, Kaku has put something in place. Because these are obviously, Jin's not really there. No, Jin is okay. dead. Yeah, Jin's totally dead. The Three Stooges aren't there either. These are like visions that they're having. And I think Kaku's behind them. I have no evidence for that. Just a gut feeling on my part. I would tell you one so way or anyways, the other. I honestly don't remember if they ever address it. Fair enough. So Jin and Ryo start fighting. And they're kind of sparring back and forth. Ryo obviously is very confused. Jin starts espousing his same philosophy that he's had the whole time, is that you need to be an individual like you're a Kenshi. You have to rise above your circumstances. Yeah, it's his same thing that he normally says, but he's saying it in like a less villainous way. This is the more sort of pure version of it. Like you need to just like be your own man. You don't exist for Kaku. You and Kaku exist individually don't allow him to define your fate. You need to rise above your circumstances because that's what a fighter does. Right. And so Jin then like delivers a final kick and I think, and then he kind of, there's like a quick cutaway and he's gone. And Ryu has this realization. He says, okay, even if Kaku, even if Kaku is gone, 
we're still the Die Rangers. We still have a mission to defeat the Goma. Which again, like, a ceasefire where Earth is safe forever is not sufficient. I don't know why they still feel the need to be the Die Rangers. Uh, I mean, it turns out they're right. Yeah, I mean, listen, but, it, that that would work if you can trust the Goma, but we know that you cannot. And so we're just going to right. assume going forward that they are right to be doing what they're doing because they're the heroes and otherwise the show is going to get weird. Okay, so we jump to the Goma Palace and the Goma are just sort of milling about and we see Zydos and Gara sort of looking over the whole thing from behind a pillar and then <clears throat> they go into a side room where Shadam is brooding, I think is the best way to say it. And Zaido says, so Shadam, you're still planning on challenging Kaku for the top spot. Like, you're going to fight, I guess. And so we are confirmed that whatever Kaku's position is, it is as high as Shadam, and they are kind of rivals. Yeah. Oh, I by guess. the way, I looked this up in between episodes. The chief of staff... It's like, you know how the president has his, like, joint chiefs of staff? You know, like the head of the admiralty, or not admiralty, but, you know, like, you know, the joint chiefs of staff. In Japan, the chief of staff is the equivalent of the head of the joint chiefs of staff. Oh, it's like the prime minister, kind of? Yeah, because I think the joint joint chief of staff is, like, third in line to the presidency or something. So it's something like that. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, so yes, I I did look it up. That's what it is. Okay. So then Shanam says a weird thing. He says, Kaku is without allies. But like, so I think I can beat him. Except for the fact that Kaku totally isn't without allies. Because we heard last episode, there's like a whole bunch of Goma <laughs> that who is are really absolutely excited true. back. Maybe they're just assuming that all those Goma are just chumps. Like, Kaku had the Die Rangers, and then he had this one dude, like First Lieutenant Shiryu. And uh, the Dying Rangers are gone, and Shiryu is dead, and maybe <laughs> these other guys else. just suck so bad that they don't count. <laughs> Shadam just does not care. So, what he says, he says, Zydos, here's what I need Shadam does. He says, Zydos, here's what I need you to do. Kaku has put up these antenna that gather Kiryoku and Gyoryoku. You need to go and destroy them. Yeah, like I, and like, is I like, can probably beat him, but just in case, go take these things out so I don't have to worry about it. Right. And Zydos uh, does this with... He's gleeful about it. He's like, yeah! Because Zydos is weird. He just loves wrecking stuff. And so he... <laughs> right. He's, he bugs out. So, speaking of the antennas, we cut back to one of the antennas, and Daigo is there, like, cross-legged, sort of meditating, holding his peacock feather. Right. And uh, I'm not exactly... I think this is probably his plan. If it is, it works... Kujaku appears, wearing not her standard costume, and looking, like, really, really cool. Oh, well, if you remember, when the episode where Kujaku dies, we see this costume for a second. This is her, like, ascended divine costume. Oh, it's that's all white. Right. She's got a fancier headdress. It's kind of pearlescent in parts. It's got, like, a cool, like, bodice thing with, like, peacock design on it. Like, it's a really slick costume. So this here is the only reason why I think maybe it might not be Kaku doing everything. Because it seems as though Kujiku is actually just coming under her own power. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi's Force ghost coming to visit uh, okay. uh, Luke Skywalker. Okay. All right. so, so maybe, maybe... maybe, like, the, you know, the universe is doing it. But That's... maybe it's also, you maybe it's what? Kaku. 
it could be either way. I also would buy that it's just the universe. I, I think I kind of like that better. Yeah, that makes more sense that they're just like the key Ryoku of the universe is making this thing happen. Like it, yeah, let's go with that. It just demands that the Die Rangers exist regardless of like the current circumstances. So it's making it happen. Right. Okay, so Daigo, he talks to Kujaku for a second. He says, I don't know what the deal is. Kaku has disbanded the Die Rangers, but something is up with these antenna. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to wait here until I figure it out. Until, like, something happens, okay? So, then Shoji arrives. So, something immediately happens, which is convenient for Daigo. And also for so the, Shoji... like, shooting schedule of this show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, Shoji runs up and is kind of immediately followed by Rin and Kazu. Yeah, and they all say, like, hey, I just saw the Three Stooges. Or Whatever. I just saw... You know, the ring Ka- glow. And then Kazu reaches into, like, the breast pocket of his <laughs> right. jacket and pulls out a turtle. He's like, Cameo's a turtle again! <laughs> Which I thought was great. Everybody just accepts this. And also that he carries Cameo with him, which is strange. Like, I would have just left him someplace safe, but whatever. I mean, if you have a magical so, turtle person who is also a close friend of yours, you probably wouldn't just leave him at the salon. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So then they're like, okay, well, we got to figure out, like, what we're going to do, and I don't you know, and then we hear Rio say, we are still the Die Rangers, then it pans over, and Rio's standing there, like a black jacket and his boots and everything. Looks really oh, cool. dude, he's in his, he is now in his final form, like. <laughs> right, he's got, like, black, like, uh, cargo pants, maybe, and, like, some boots and, like, a black leather jacket and a red shirt. Looks super cool. It's great. And <laughs> again, <laughs> It's just sort of like, there's like a weird awkwardness. Everyone's kind of like looking at the ground and shuffling their feet a little bit as though they're not best friends who are superheroes together. And also that they haven't like just seen each other like yesterday, probably. (laughs) Well, I get the feeling that at least like a little bit of time. Or in some cases, earlier that day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So they say like, or Ryo says rather, he says, guys, it doesn't matter if Doshikaku is here or not. We have a mission. We are the Die Rangers, and like we are still together. We are not disbanded. Hooray. Like they all put their hands so in the middle, like, like it's that like the end of the right. first episode or issue of the Fantastic Four, or like any sports team or whatever. I guess my head just immediately goes to yeah. that one panel of Fantastic Four. But <laughs> they all put their hands in the middle, they're like, okay, Nerd. all in, break. And then immediately get yes. blown up by Sidos. <laughs> Just so like sparklers go off all around them. They go flying. Zydos is there, and he just kind of looks up. He's like, "You guys, uh, you guys know that you don't have your aura changers anymore." Yeah, right? like, like you know that this is not. He's you got. He nothing. starts to address them as the Die Rangers. And he's like, "Wait, no, you are now mere humans." And they say, "Well, whatever. We're still gonna fight you." He's like, "But you're gonna die. Like you're going to die." And I think it's Shoji that says, well, we won't know until we try. And then they attack. And then they get blown up again. Okay. (laughs) So the Rangers get exploded. And then they kind of get back up and they face Zydos. And and I think they ask him, like, why are you here? What are you doing? Or something like that. And Zydos says, oh, you chumps don't even know. Kaku is about to fight Shotum for, like, Goma supremacy or something. And then it cuts away, and I think the idea is that the scene I'm about to describe to you is 
also being described by Zydos, maybe? Yeah, because when we cut back to this fight, which we will in a second, the Rangers seem to have understood the information that you and I are about to describe to you in this yeah. cutaway. Yeah, so I, I think that's the idea is what's happening. So what we see in this cutaway is we see the Goa Palace and the gong, there's a gong, the gong rings, and it kind of zooms back out over what I would assume is the members of the Goma Senate, I guess. I think that's true. Yeah, and so then there's like a, a Goma, and he's in some sort of, he's like in his human form, and he's in some sort of ceremonial uh, garb. I don't know what it is, but he's in some sort of ceremonial garb. And he walks to the front, and on either side of him are uh, Kaku and Shadam. And he said, the guy does, he explains that tomorrow, Kaku and Shadam are going to fight to see who is the next emperor of the Goma. Yes, and the winner of this fight will be, I don't know if they're going to be crowned Goma the 16th immediately, or if it's just... Like, like they will, will be, be at when Goma the Fifteenth dies. But in any case, like this is the deal. This is what Kaku is planning. Right. So, dude, check this out. What that means, Matt, is that Goma the Fifteenth, like that weird, high-voiced egg person, was at one point like the baddest of the Goma. Yeah, and apparently like, has been that bad who- for so long that people. That is why they let him get away with stuff. It's not because he's in charge sort of nominally. It's because he is tough enough to beat any of them. <laughs> Apparently. So, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Goma is tough enough to beat anyone and is just completely off his rocker. Although the guy does say about Shadam and Kaku that they are both of the successor bloodline. Yeah, I noticed that. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe. So, first of all, maybe they're related. I mean, they I don't must know. be somehow. Yeah. So the other thing is that like maybe you don't have to beat like all of the Goma. You just have to beat like anybody who would stand like anybody in the successor bloodline who would stand between you and the throne. Right. Like you need you to know what I beat mean? everyone in that bloodline in that generation and then you get to be in charge, I guess. Right. But like if Shanam and Kaku are any indication, like it's a pretty baller bloodline. Oh yeah. Like these dudes are not messing around. And then okay. Okay. So then like a dude in like a butler outfit comes out. <laughs> He's wearing like a silk top hat, and he has a tray with two glasses of wine. They each take a glass of wine from it and they're sort of drinking it back to I guess seal the deal on the duel that they're gonna be having. Yeah, that makes sense. And Shadam and this is why the Rangers were right after all. Shadam says, if I win, I am going to, uh, like, go back to our plan of conquering the Earth. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Which is bonkers. <laughs> this is out. It is 100% bonkers. Because he now knows that Daijin Ryu exists and will 100% come and crush him. I don't know what he is yeah. thinking. He is con completely crackers. Dude, I have no idea. Kaku says, kind of, they're both sort of talking under their breath to each other. Kaku says, I can't allow that to happen. And then the guy who's doing the announcing. So first of all, the fight is going to take place at the Goma Coliseum, which I think it's great that that exists. And then he also says, let us have a fair and upright fight. 
was like, dude, you're literally you're having it at the Goma Coliseum. Like you, you guys, are terrible monsters. Right, like even the two of these guys that is the hero is cheating. Like he has set up yeah, things like to give super himself cheating. superpowers, and that's the hero. Right. <laughs> okay, so we jump back to the roof, and. Zydos actually says, he says, yeah, so if Kaku wins, he's going to try and turn the Goma all like good guys. And that antenna that you guys are in front of is going to strengthen Kaku so he can win the match. And Zydos is kind of a weird thing. He's like, and if Shotham, he's like, Shotham has to win because if Shotham doesn't become emperor, I'll never get promoted. So Zydos has apparently hitched himself to the Shotham train like pretty hard. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, also Zydos just likes breaking stuff. So he is excited about the prospect of trying to conquer Earth. And so then all the Die Rangers then realize, like, okay, so this was Kaku's plan. Right. This is why this whole thing is happening. This is why he's left us. And they are invigorated by this. And then we get... The best scene in this show so oh, far. It is my favorite moment in my favorite episode. So they say like, oh my gosh, Kaku, he just didn't want us to worry about him. Like, that's why he wouldn't he tell us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't abandon us. Like, he did this for us. And like, to not have us like really concerned. And then right. they realize like, okay, we, regardless of the fact that we don't have powers, we are still the Die Rangers. And so Zydos, like, goes to move towards them, and then they do, like, these shining in the heavens, there are five stars roll call, but they don't have their aura changers, and so they're doing it just in their plain clothes, but now it's, like, late in the show, so they're all wearing, like, their super radical plain clothes with their black leather jackets and fingerless gloves, and it is, listen, in, like, the year and a half that I have watched, since I have last watched this show, this is the one scene that I will just pull up on YouTube and watch. Like, when I'm just sitting at my desk at work, I'm like, man, remember that one time they did the roll call without their costumes and it was the raddest moment ever? Because it's like against orders, without powers, with basically no hope of winning. Like, throw all of that away. We are still the Dire Rangers and we will... We're still gonna do it! Oh, it's so good. Like, all of the times yeah. that we've said, like, the time that they change into the Die Ranger form this time, like, this aura change is the best aura change. Like, we've said that a bunch of times throughout the show. This one right here is the best one, and they don't even aura change. That's how good it is. Right. This is the, I think this is the best kind of, like, legit superhero moment in this show so far. It's fantastic. Uh, okay. So they go through the whole thing. They do like their kung fu intros. They say their names. They identify themselves as their die rangers, which is awesome. And I also, Matt, realized I really had assumed that for the most part, the actors that played the human forms were not the people in the suits. I think I may have been wrong about okay, that. Okay, here's the thing. Because they all do the moves. You're not wrong about that, but... These guys in particular, I remember I was listening to that interview with uh, the guy who plays Shoji, and he was saying that before they started filming the show, they had a Uh super intense boot camp. Like, they all had martial arts backgrounds anyway, but because the nature of the show is that they all have very specific, like, fighting styles, 
they wanted to make sure that these five actors could do those fighting styles. And so there was like a super intense, while they were prepping the show, these actors were just training and training and training like hours a day to be able to do all this stuff. Okay, so they do have, no, that's rad. So they go through like the whole thing, they attack, and obviously, like, you know, they go down. Like, it's still Zydos. He's still a Goma commander. And they are still just, at this point, pretty much just people. They go down, but they get back up very determinedly. I think they go down, they get back up, they go down again, I think they still get back up. Well, at some point in this, Zydo summons a bunch of Kotopotoros. I think it's actually, I think it's right now. Like, he knocks, he blows them all up, they get back up, he summons the Kotopotoro, and then they, then they keep fighting. But it cuts away kind of mid-fight, Yeah, but before we get away from that, I just want to say, like, the non-suit Kotopotoro fight... Not only was the non-suit transformation the best transformation, the non-suit Kotopotoro really fight, fight might be my favorite of the fights. It's pretty short, but it's great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really cool because you're seeing, you're just seeing the rangers not in their their ranger costumes. And, you know, it's weird is I think I, I never thought about it before until we just saw this, how much maybe uh, you lose because they're all wearing masks. So you can't see their, you can't see their facial expressions and kind of, take something away so this is it's a great fight matt uh you're totally and right actually this is There's just no occurring jokes. to me now if you remember <laughs> the very first episode of this show uh in it they have a big fight against the kotopotoro without their suits like when they're all on the bicycles oh yeah i do and they're just sort that. of like running away and trying to escape and they've got a couple oh, yeah, of good moves on but, their bikes and stuff you know like they're really on the run until they can finally do their first transformation Mm-hmm. And this sort of bookends that, like, in a very cool way. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's on purpose, but I dig it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Matt, if you had asked me, like, midway through the show, oh, is this on purpose? I'd be like, nah, of course not. Now that we're getting to the end, it, I'm it kind might of be giving on purpose. these guys enough credit. Maybe it was. <laughs> Maybe it was on purpose. Okay. So we cut away from that fight, and we see... Uh, we're at the Goma Palace. We see Kaku clearly in like the sort of locker room area outside of the Goma Coliseum. He's in his armor. His like sword and helmet are next to him on the table, and he is kind of remembering the Rangers. And we're kind of we're getting flashbacks to see all of them. And he names them all, and you see a quick clip of each Ranger. And then he says, "I fight for you," or something like that. And he says, and if I should have the misfortune to fall, I'm counting on you. So clearly, Kaku doesn't actually think that the Rangers are going to disband. Right. He says, if I die, I will live on in all of you. Right. Like, he knows that the Rangers are going to get back together despite his orders not to. Because, like, he's trained them so well, which is pretty rad. So he, we cut away from him. But yeah, like, he he goes through all that. Oh, by the way, when they cut away to... uh, like the flashbacks of people waving to him, like all the five rangers waving to him and saying his name. When he does the one for Daigo, Daigo is in like his work clothes. So he's got an apron on. He's just like holding this like adorable kitty cat and like <laughs> shaking it around. Um, and Rin is with like a bunch of kids. I don't know why we've never seen her aside from with Ko. Maybe she's going to school to be a kindergarten teacher. Who knows? So 
we cut away from, and then Kaku sort of picks up his sword and helmet and he strides uh, meaningfully through the door. We cut away from him and we see Shadam, who is brooding again, and like a butler in a silver mask comes and opens the door and he says, Shadam, the fight is ready. And so Shadam stands up and he like, he goes Super Saiyan basically. He just like clenches every muscle in his body and yells. And then there's like a multicolored light show around him. And he turns into his like battle form. And I don't know why he doesn't do this all the time. It looks way cooler than his like weird bondage leather. Okay, now here's the weird thing though, is that he does do this and it is a cool look. It's a little bulky, but it's a cool look. A little but bulky, the weird but... thing is that this is not Shadam's only battle form. We haven't seen the other one in a while, but remember like halfway through the series, yeah. there is a while where he would like turn his face silver when he was getting serious. Uh-huh. So I don't know like how many different forms these guys have, but Shadam's got at least three. I was going to say minimum three. So, but okay, what it is actually cool is about his like weird kind of like his like new bulky battle form is that it does mirror his weird bondage leather uniform. Oh, yeah. Like he's got the weird ring over his eye and in his new battle form, he's got like a thing over his eye and like a big red goma eye. It's pretty neat. And that's the episode. You know, we we get like a little bit of voiceover as we see you know, these events sort of moving all towards their climax. You know, the rangers are on right. the, the roof, they're defending gun. the antenna, the duel is about to start, and that's where we leave off this episode. Specifically, Matt, what the voiceover tells us is that the starting gun has fired on this battle of fate. Bum, bum, bum. bum. Okay, Dave. Okay. So that's so... the episode. Well, Matt... What's your high point for this episode? Dave, my high point for this episode... I don't actually need to ask. No, my high point for this episode is my high point for this series. It's the roll call. It's that moment when they sort of fully express their heroism, which is not only my favorite moment of this show, like, it is when that sort of scene exists in a show, like, standing up against all odds. It's it's amazing. I I have legitimate emotions about this children's show from twenty years ago. Yeah. It, oh, dude. It was <laughs> it was so. Oh, it's such a good episode. I'll tell you what. I I, I usually pick. Put, put up like some pictures on the Twitter feed. Uh, this week I will try to remember to link to this scene on YouTube because it's like it's cut separately. If you don't follow us on Twitter, um, just Google. Die Ranger roll call, no costumes or something. It'll pop up. It's tremendous. It's great. So, Dave, uh, like I said, I don't have a low point. What's your high point? Low uh, high point? Man, um, I love Kaku thinking back on the Rangers and saying, like, I'm fighting for you and I'm counting on you to finish if I if I don't make it. I loved uh, Ryo's moment with Jin, even though Jin wasn't real. That was oh, great. Oh, that was another good one. Shoji... Shows you with the flag? Wearing his friendship flag. Dude, this this episode is all high points. It's just high points strung together. Yeah, like, this is just a highlight reel of the show. And it's sort of structured that way, you know? Like, it r- brings back all of these characters that you remember. It's very much designed yeah. to just be all the hits. And it absolutely right. works. So, I also don't have a low point. It was great. That's it. I don't have a low point. This show is awesome. Yeah, Die Rangers are the best, you guys. I don't know if you know that, uh, but figure it out. Anyway, that, friends and listeners, is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. 
Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you one more time that you can email the show at the Super Sentai Brothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, or if you want to just talk to us on Twitter, do whatever, we're at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes reviews section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help people find the show. Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. No!